faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Today's Friday, July 2nd, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. Coming up on the podcast today, a Canadian pastor is released from jail after more than two weeks behind bars. And the canceled Mumford & Sons uh, member condemns the leftist mob as a swarm of snakes. NBA coach Monty Williams shares his faith-built coaching philosophy ahead of the NBA Finals. Great stuff there. And a heroic 10-year-old girl somehow miraculously survives. Honestly, Trey, one of the more horrific things I've ever heard in my life. This random... Well, they don't don't think it was random. They think he knows the family. But a person showed up at this family's house and just lines this family up to just start executing them. And shoots the little girl and she manages to survive this gruesome scene and the details on it i mean just what a what a survivor this little girl is and um uh, just a horrible story but i'm glad she survived and and there were a couple survivors there but how she did it is incredible and um we'll have the the details on that and more as uh as we do every day uh, with these stories of trey goins phillips uh from faithwire.com trey what's going on yeah Hey, you know, I'm ready for the kind of holiday weekend coming yeah. up. I, I love fireworks, so fireworks and burgers and all that, you know, barbecue, all that. It's all the good things, so it should be a good weekend. Have you taken um, CNN's advice to heart? I, I noticed they had a big piece on their front page today talking about how you should approach celebrating July 4th. I swear they they report as if people have really locked themselves inside their houses for a year and a half. I don't get well, it. But. You know, I in, I'm glad you mentioned it because I have printed out CNN's instructions oh, and I yeah. have laminated them. Yeah. That's the other pasted, thing. Posted them on my front door so as family members come in, they will have to follow all of the uh, yeah the, all, the, the, all the guidelines. Protocols. Yeah, that, that was the other thing. I'm just yes. like, who's taking their day to day life instructions from CNN? I don't I, I don't understand why they yeah. even thought that we need to give people a guide on how to take their steps on July 4th. I mean, it's just. And, in fact, I just happen to think I will probably have to wear three masks on the 4th of July, and I'll wear a red one, a blue one, and a white one. Um, so that way, I don't know what order yet I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll rotate them throughout the day. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's head into, uh, let's head right into story number one here because we've got the uh, footage rolling for those of you watching uh, the live stream right now on, uh, on social. Um, but a Canadian pastor. Uh, has who you may recall the heartbreaking scene as you're seeing on the video from a few weeks ago uh, when they were he was led away from his crying children and taken into custody all for the crime of holding an outdoor church service. I mean this despite Canada's COVID numbers just plummeting to record lows. Uh, but this is Pastor Tim Stevens and he's finally been released from jail. The Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms uh, released a statement yesterday. Uh, announcing that Stevens, um, who's of Fairview Baptist Church, was released from the Calgary Remand Center and that Pastor Stevens had been in jail since Monday, June 14th. The Justice Center also confirmed that Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary and Grace Life Church near Edmonton, you may remember them, there was that scene of the authorities shown in, dozens of cops showing up and fencing off the church. 
Um, but yeah. they have been unchained now and released from government seizure, and they'll be returned to their congregations effective. That seems like forever ago that that happened, yeah. and now that's just being released by the government now. And remember, we told you on this podcast a few days ago, maybe last week, the number of COVID cases in Canada in the whole country as of a week or two ago, I haven't looked today, but was like 900 out of 30 some million people so that basically no covid cases going on and they're still locking people up over this stuff so um this the the details around that arrest tray are just absolutely stunning um because stevens was first arrested on may 16th he spent two nights in jail his second arrest on june 14th was also in respect of peacefully exercising his freedoms in the face of public health orders the the june 14th arrest um, they had an outdoor church service on June 6th with about 200 people outside. Uh, a police helicopter was deployed to search for and detect the peaceful outdoor gathering and to collect evidence uh, of Pastor Stevens' non-compliance with public health restrictions. Can you imagine the insanity My goodness. of sending a police helicopter to go try to find an outdoor church service? There is zero science that says unless you're in someone's face and coughing on them that you're going to spread covid outdoors if you're socially distanced you're not even socially distanced you're not in somebody's face you have three feet it's insanity pure insanity um so not necessarily left right issue here although trey we've broken down sort of how the left and right have generally argued over this but clearly you know why does this matter because the pandemic has shown we are not a people, when I say people, meaning humans around the globe, who all value freedom equally. You know, you talk about the Declaration of Independence and Constitution in school growing up. It almost seemed unnecessary back then, Trey. At least to me, you're kind of like, yeah, I got it. Like, we're all supposed to be free and, you know, duh. It just seems so obvious that it was something that we would need to yeah. preserve and protect. And it seems almost silly that you had to even talk about it. But when you see the actions being taken around the globe in Canada, pastors thrown in jail for an outdoor service, uh, it really makes it clear. That, and then when that's not even, then you look at China and places where they're rounding up pastors, burning Bibles, re-educating, all of that stuff. Uh, it, it really makes it clear that no, not not everyone will protect freedom, and and many will, as we've seen in this pandemic, even in here in America, out of fear, people will willingly just not only hand over their freedoms, but then demonize anyone who tries to protect them as some sort of person who's out to harm me and do- doesn't care about me. Um, very yeah. interesting and I think kind of chilling that people are so willing and have proven to be so willing to just throw out our freedoms away. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that saying that I heard all the time growing up, kind of when I was learning about this stuff in school, and you, mm-hmm. you'd hear like the the uh, Ronald Reagan saying that freedom is never more than one generation away right. uh, from extinction. And I, I think there's, I always thought of that as like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Like it's, you know, this is America. Uh, so, and I know we're talking about a story in Canada, uh, but like you said, just the fact that uh, it's concerning to me that so many people are willing to, uh, to give up certain rights in the name of safety. So it's like, yeah. well, it's okay to do this because it's, it's what's keeping us safe. 
And a lot of this stuff doesn't have a clear end date to it. I mean, that's why a lot of the governors and legislators in the United States have gotten into trouble is because they haven't really put clear end dates on it. It's like, okay, you can suspend some constitutional freedoms for an emergency situation, but it, it has to have a clear expiration date. And we yeah. have all these governors, like, uh, Whitmer and Michigan was one of them. It's like, well, she just kept extending it and extending <laughs> yeah. and extending it. Uh, and the, the courts there said, well, you can't just keep, you know, ad infinitum, keep these edicts in place. Like eventually they're going to have to expire because otherwise it's not an emergency order. No, At that point, just, it just becomes just your everyday right. operating procedure. Right. And, uh, uh, so, and Governor Wolf, it was the same thing. And the citizens of Pennsylvania voted to, you know, restrict those those emergency powers to a shorter window. Uh, despite yeah. despite the wording, I'll have to show that to y'all sometime. If you're in Pennsylvania, you know what I'm talking about. The word the wording on that measure was so it was written by the Wolf team, and it was so it was insanity. They tried to make it sound like you were some sort of authoritarian if you wanted to vote uh, to limit the power of the governor. So um, yeah, so it's interesting to see that dynamic at play for sure. Yeah, I mean, but it's kind of a, it's been a, at least on the left, it's been kind of a contradiction in the way that they've thought about the stuff, even with Trump, uh, where they've said, well, we, you know, he's too much of an authoritarian, he's dictatorial, we don't want him to do this, 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 this. And then COVID hit. Uh, I, I can't believe Trump isn't locking down the country unilaterally and making all these decisions unilaterally. So right. it's kind of like, okay, which one do you want? Yeah. Um, so because, you know, and then that's what happens. It's like people, conservatives generally, but a lot of people on both sides of the aisle will end up complaining about stuff that Wolf was doing or, or whatever governor you are in whatever state you're in. Yeah. Um, and then it was like somehow worded in a way that was so awkward to say that the the people who didn't want the governor to have that much power, they're the authoritarians. They're the authoritarians. They're the crazy ones. <laughs> how, how, how did we arrive oh, at this man. dichotomy I don't know. But... <laughs> So, but anyway, uh, we could talk about that for a while. Yeah. So story number, yeah, we'll go into story number two. Uh, so Winston Marshall, uh, some of y'all might know about him. He's the now former member uh, of the band Mumford and Sons, uh, is condemning the leftist mob that came after him for praising journalist Andy No's book, uh, exposing Antifa. Uh, so Marshall, he's a banjo player. He came under fire fire in March uh, when he posted a tweet saying that he enjoyed No's book, Unmasked. Uh, he was immediately targeted by leftist social media users who began labeling him a Nazi, a racist, and a fascist. Uh, he deleted the tweet, issued an apology, uh, and decided to take a hiatus from Mumford & Sons in an effort to lessen the blowback on his family, his friends, and of course his, his bandmates. And he's been pretty quiet until last week. And in the end of June, he spoke out in a lengthy blog post uh, saying that he was leaving the band uh, so that he could speak freely about hot button issues uh, without fearing it would negatively impact uh, Mumford and Sons. Uh, he said that the backlash he saw against his friends, his family, uh, caused him a great deal of distress. Uh, he said that he endured abuse on another level, hmm. uh, talking about the kind of uh, hate he experienced on social media. Uh, so now that he's no longer in the band, uh, he's speaking out even more. Uh, in an interview with Barry Weiss on her podcast, uh, Marshall rebuked the leftist agitators as, quote, a swarm of snakes <laughs> who come, at, come for every aspect of your life when you do or say something they don't like. So here's one of his quotes to Weiss. He said, 
it's a very effective mode of intimidation talking about the the mob kind of targeting people on social media he said because it's one thing when they come for you but when they come for those you love you want to defend them uh, he said i imagine it's very confusing for those people particularly if they don't know what's going on they you know they don't they haven't followed the story and, yeah. and seen why the backlash is 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 it coming uh, because presumably the the family members and friends of whoever the target is may not even agree you know they're just kind of being targeted because they're associated with the with the initial uh you know problem person so marshall said he was terrified to publish his blog post explaining that he was leaving the band and not backing down uh, from his opinions nevertheless he said that he's glad he did it uh, because he said i feel like i got my integrity back and i feel like i got my soul back uh, so really strong comments there from from marshall uh, so what's the left saying? Uh, not that anybody's weighed in on this particular story yet, but thankfully there are some people on the left who are standing up to this kind of mob mentality on social media. Uh, Barry Weiss is one of those people. She's liberal, you know, but she has kind of condemned cancel culture and this yeah. kind of uh, group think stuff. And Bill Maher has been another one who stood up to it. Uh, there needs to be more, though, because I think you know, this push for ideological purity and cancellation, cancel culture, it seems, uh, it, it seems to be coming from the left at all costs, and it's pretty—it's having some pretty dangerous ramifications uh, in in certain situations. So, what's the right saying? Well, conservatives were initially, at least some conservatives, were initially disappointed with Marshall uh, when he chose to apologize. Uh, but a lot of them have since come around, understanding that he did it to protect his family and his friends and his bandmates, and they seem to have. Uh, come around to start supporting him. So he's found some some favor with those on the right. Uh, so why does it matter? You know, I hope this will ultimately come to, to an ironic end, Dan. I say ironic because this cancel culture stuff is certainly intended to be divisive. Uh, my hope, though, is that it ends up uniting people of different walks of life who are truly committed to actual tolerance and are okay with, with not writing someone off because they have a, a difference yeah. of opinion. Because I think that probably... I, th I think the majority of everyday people, I'm not talking about the social media people or the TV personalities, all that. I think the everyday people like you and me who are, you know, just kind of living our lives. Uh, I think that those people, uh, whether they're liberal or conservative, uh, take issue with all this cancer culture stuff. Uh, so I just hope the time, the tide will turn though, before it gets too ugly. But I think in the meantime, as Christians, you know, it's, that's our job to help bridge that gap, right? You know, to, yep. to unite people, hopefully over gospel principles well, and, uh, and not not get down in the mud. And that's the one thing as Christians that um, that separates Christianity from other religions and certainly from secular culture and particularly other religions. Yeah. Forgiveness and grace are a cornerstone of our faith. Um, Christ dying yeah. on the cross obviously is the you know, greatest sacrifice in the history of mankind here. And so that's what Christians have to offer grace, forgiveness. That is counterintuitive in so many um, instances. And that is something we can offer. And that is something culture is really lacking right now, sorely lacking, is the ability to forgive. And not just erase, not just say yeah. no actions have no consequences, because if you do something that deserves a consequence, you should get that consequence. But you should still offer grace, offer forgiveness, and be willing to give people second chances, you know, not just write yeah. people off. And that that is something we know is right. 
I think deep down humans know that that's right. I think God's embedded that in us. Obviously, sin muddies those waters, and and we sin as humans. But I think that's wired in us. And people know it. They know it deep down that that's the right thing to do, but so many don't want to do it. And if you stand up and offer grace and show grace and be consistent on that uh, with our faith, I think people will gravitate towards that. Yeah, and I think we should... Uh, at least I try to give people the benefit of the doubt like yeah. when, when they do something sure. or say something. Uh, you know, I'm not going to just assume that one mistake is the entire definition of a person. Like, you know, they're more than the than the things that they've tweeted, the things they've said, or things that they've done. Certainly, there are situations where, like you said, they should be held accountable. I don't think yeah. anybody thinks that someone shouldn't be held accountable for what they do. Uh, but holding somebody accountable for something that they said that was inappropriate or immature or wrong, you know, hateful, whatever, uh, and canceling them all together, you know, removing them from polite society, those are two different things. Mm-hmm. Like I, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I can yeah. hold somebody accountable uh, for their actions without completely writing them off as a person. Uh, and I think that's the balance that as believers, uh, we have to strike because we know that all people are created in the image of God. So whether we get along with them or agree with them right off the bat, uh, shouldn't really matter uh, as, you know, it shouldn't make an impact on how we treat them Yeah, uh, because, you know, above all that is their value as a human being. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Let's, uh, let's head on in to story number three. And um, speaking of forgiveness and grace, this story has some of that and we'll get to that in the second half of it. The Phoenix Suns have reached the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993. And they've done so in large part through the leadership of Monty Williams, who put his faith in Christ at the forefront uh, during the post-game interview after their series clinching uh, wins. This uh, win, the Suns had been uh, struggling in recent years, but after the arrival of Williams, things started to look up. And ESPN's Scott Van Pelt asked him about his approach and what was the difference. Here is what uh, Coach Williams had to say. Well, I expressed um, from the time I got the job in Phoenix and and every new player that comes to our program, um, the essence of my coaching is to serve. Um, As a believer in Christ, that's what I'm here for. And I tell them all the time, if I get on you, I'm not calling you out, I'm calling you up. Uh, You have potential and I have to work my tail off to help you reach that potential. You may recall Williams uh, gave a beautiful eulogy for his late wife, Ingrid Williams, who died um, five years ago back in 2016 at the age of 44 in a tragic car accident. And the person driving the other vehicle had crossed into oncoming traffic and hit Ingrid's car head on. The driver was under the influence of meth. And and three of Williams' children were in the car too. They survived. But, But here's a clip of what Williams said um, about their attitude towards that family and towards you know everything that was happening at that time. This is from uh, the eulogy that he that he gave. Life is hard. It is very hard, and that was tough. But we hold no ill will towards the Donaldson family, and we, as a group, brothers united in unity, should be praying for that family because they grieve as well. So let's not lose sight of what's important. God will work this out. My wife is in heaven. God loves us. God is love. And when we walk away from this place today, let's celebrate. 
because my wife is where we all need to be. And I'm envious of that. But I got five crumb snatchers I got to deal with. <laughs> I, I love you guys for taking time out of your day to celebrate my wife. We didn't lose her. When you lose something, you can't find it. I know exactly where my wife is. And he went on and closed. It's just a, just a beautiful, beautiful uh, eulogy. And um, he talked about his wife's faith and talked about how he had admired her for her strong and unwavering faith and, and how it impacted him and also their family. And you can you can clearly see the impact of that on Williams and, and his family as they do life and do navigate things uh, like tragedy uh, now and now managing a basketball team going to the NBA Finals. So obviously not a left or right uh, issue here, Trey. Um, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm always inspired, you know, when you when you yeah. see someone living out their faith like that, you know, when the rubber meets the road, when it really gets tough, you know, in those just really make or break moments. And, you know, when you see Christ clearly carrying someone through, if you watch his eulogy, uh, which is in the article that we have up on faithwire.com right now. You can see it uh, down there in the article. Um, you can just you just look at somebody who just lost their their wife, and he talks about how close they were and how he'd leave. I mean, the NBA is a very demanding job, and he'd talk about how he'd leave early and get out of there because just because he wanted to go home and spend time with his wife. So so for him to be that put together during that eulogy and and to even be able to stand and speak, it's only through the power of Christ that you can do that. And, um, and so to me, it's inspiring when I see that happening and, and, you know, because it, it glorifies God, it points people towards God because they say, wow, how's he doing that? And he's still giving God glory yeah. in the middle of that. He, you know, you heard him talking about God is good and, you know, yeah, there's pain and this is tough and this isn't the way I would have wanted it to go, but, uh, he's still glorifying God in that still trusting in God. And so that's, that's it. That's an inspiration, I think, for fellow fellow believers uh to have and so with that with my celtics out of contention trey i think i'm definitely going to be cheering uh, for the suns whoever they end up playing here in the finals <laughs> yeah so, um with stories like this i always think uh like recently my one of my pastors at my church his mother passed away of, of covid uh, and he talked through that a lot on his social media but also from the pulpit at church mm -hmm. talking about how it's strengthened his faith and how he's relied on Christ in the midst of it and, and leaned on the Holy Spirit for comfort. Um, and listening to him and then listening to this eulogy, uh, it to me, it's always like I'm, I'm left awestruck and also yeah. a little bit convicted because I'm thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'd like to think, I hope that my, my faith would be that strong, that I wouldn't be shaken uh, by something like that. Certainly you're going to be distressed and grieving, but I'd like to think that my faith would be as strong as his was or mm -hmm. his is um, through that kind of a process, because that's really when the rubber meets the road, right? It's easy to talk about these things kind of in the abstract. Yeah. Like it's easy to say, oh, I'll have faith if this happens or if that happens. But then when it actually happens, it's like your reality has changed in an, in an instant. Uh, the way you view the world has been challenged like in every possible way. Um, so, you know, you, you just, you have to be inspired by people uh, like this who go through such tragedy and still, uh, not only do they keep their faith, it seems that in almost every case, 
people who are true, authentic believers end up having an even deeper and more yeah. profound relationship with God. Uh, and I think there's something to envy there that they've got they've got that closeness with the Lord. Uh, even through something so difficult and sad, so uh, it's just an inspiring story. And I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not really a sports fan, but I'll be cheering for the Suns just because of, uh, just because of Williams. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, all right, story number four. Uh, so this one is a tough story, but it's truly, an, I mean, a heroic little girl, like Dan said at the beginning. Uh, so a 10-year-old girl from Houston, uh, she survived the massacre of her family uh, by playing dead as a gunman lined up members of the family and mm. shot them. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to, it's even hard to, to read. And uh, yeah. I'm in the middle of writing a, a post about it on faithwire.com. And it's kind of surreal to even be writing it because I, I, I cannot even imagine putting myself in, oh. in the shoes of this little girl. No. Uh, So, you know, the heartbreaking scene unfolded this past Wednesday night when an attacker uh, entered the the apartment in southwest Houston and shot and killed a six-year-old little girl, uh, as well as her mom and her dad. Uh, Thankfully, their eight-year-old son, they've got four kids total, their eight-year-old son was away at the time. Uh, and the, their one-year-old baby boy, uh, he was not injured. Uh, so their brave 10-year-old little daughter, like I said, uh, she had been shot in the arm near the elbow. So she was bleeding and had, had a gunshot wound. Uh, she played dead. Uh, and when the shooter left, uh, she got up and she called her grandmother, uh, who then called 911. Uh, just, I mean, what a... I can't say it enough how yeah. brave this little girl is. Unbelievable. Uh, so she told her she told her family uh, she actually FaceTimed her grandmother and was showing her everything while she was walking through, uh, so that her grandmother would know what to communicate to nine one one. So she said that a masked man knocked on their door, uh, and when their dad opened it, the gunman grabbed the one year her one year old little brother out of her father's hands, threw him on the couch, uh, and began shooting. Uh, and that's when the ten year old girl was shot in the arm. Uh, so, and then after all of them were shot, the one-year-old, like I said, was uninjured, thankfully. Uh, after he shot everybody and he assumed the 10-year-old girl was dead, he grabbed all of their bodies and lined them up. And she was able to stay completely still uh, while he mm. was lining them up. Um, so just uh, to me, that's miraculous that yeah. she was able to uh, to stay like that. Uh, I, I I don't know how else to, to describe that other than just God's favor on her. Uh, that she was able to 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 stay completely still despite having a gunshot wound in her arm and being dragged by somebody who presumed her to be dead. And and, uh, so, and, and as she just witnessed her entire family basically get shot, yeah, exactly. her parents. So you're the trauma of that alone. Yeah. You know, you'd think you'd just be freaking yeah. out, but and then 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 to literally play dead, like you know, man, just unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, you know, police don't think this was random. Uh, they don't think it was a robbery either. They believe the killer knew the family, uh, and they're currently searching for the attacker. And anybody, I think, in the area who has information, they're urging them to call the police. And there's a $5,000 reward uh, up for, for anybody who has some valuable inf- information that could lead to his arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously not a political story at all. Uh, so the assistant police chief, Patricia Cantu, she said that the department is sending its prayers to the family. Uh, she said this was a very difficult scene, not only for us, the officers, but for the family as well, of course. Uh, so we're sending out prayers and hopes that anybody uh, has any information to, to call the police department. Uh, so certainly as, as believers, we need to be in prayer for this little girl who just lost her parents uh, and one of her siblings. And like Dan said, she had to witness all of it 
happen in front of her and is, is really the only witness they have to any of this. So police are, are working with her as best they can. Uh, so be in prayer for her, for the family, and of course for law enforcement as they're you know on the hunt for this this awful, awful criminal. Yeah. So yeah, just definitely. A devastating story. Devastating story. Prayers up, but like you said, a miracle that uh, she survived and and um I don't yeah. know, you see something like that and then you just you can't help but think in like she's 10 years old you can't help but think in 10 12 15 years you're gonna hear <laughs> um somebody like her doing amazing things with their life because yeah. you know i don't know like you said and to have the presence of mind like there's just you know god's not done with that little girl yet obviously yeah. and um and so yeah continue prayers for that family and and uh hopefully we'll look and see trey if they're out there some gofundmes or something i feel like the very least you know yeah for sure kids like that that have to go through that kind of trauma you hope that you can you know if they don't have family members that can help but you know maybe they do it seems like they had them interviewed there uh, on the news story but yeah um if they don't you know you'd you'd like the families not to have to worry about finances in the middle of that let them just focus on (laughs) dealing with the trauma that those kids are going to have to grow up with now yeah, after sure. suffering this horrible thing. So, so we'll yeah. look to, we'll look and at, I mean, another, yeah. another piece of good news is that the eight year old was, he was, like I said, he was away. He was with his yeah. uncle yeah. and it looks like their uncle has kind of stepped in and the, and the grandparents. Good. So like you said, it's good that she's got, they've got some family because yeah. they're going to need that support. And um, yeah, any sort of GoFundMe's or any, any of that we'll have linked in our story if we find them. All right. And with that, we will head into the July 4th weekend um have a great weekend you don't have to consult cnn before you head out on the weekend to find (laughs) out how to act (laughs) enjoy your weekend and uh you know celebrating this uh, great country so god bless you we will see you back here on tuesday uh, after the long weekend god bless have a great weekend